The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When an obese convict is afraid of catching COVID while he's in prison, is it unfair to keep him in such unsanitary conditions? If you think that's a boring topic, wait till the twist. Then we travel to Fleming County, Kentucky, to meet a man who lived such a disgusting life. He had a disgusting afterlife. And finally, we take a look at the bizarre conspiracy theory. I don't even know how to define this. The bizarre notion that schizophrenics have origin stories. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a I'm having an okay day, but I hope you're having a good day. I'm having a bit of back spasms, but you know, what are you going to do, right? I got some Western medicine, got some muscle relaxers, and I got a podcast to do. So I'm going to sit in this totally uncomfortable chair for an hour telling my best friends about ghosts, because that is the fun part. The The pain is not, but someone who never gives me pain walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give it up for one of our live stream supporters. It's Creole Cosmopolitan. Everyone give Creole a big round of applause. Creole, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. And if you guys can't support the Patreon or support the live streams or anything like that, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Creole, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to Virginia. We're driving and seeing like ducks flying by and there's trees, there's boats some of there's been a horrible hurricane all of this is landlocked we're seeing we're traveling through the beautiful countryside of virginia we're like waving hello to like george washington's ghost and as we're doing all that stuff you're like oh what what story is going to take place here look at these lush places is this a haunted forest i'm like no keep driving and then we drive past this spooky swamp and you're like oh is this going to be about some swamp witch no keep driving and eventually as we continue through virginia you realize we're headed to a federal penitentiary so we pull up to this bleak penitentiary. We're missing all the swamps and George Washington ghosts is super sad. But we're walking in and we're getting like, doo, like metal detectors on us. <laughs> they're not supposed to make that noise. If they're making that noise, you're hiding metal. But eventually we are ushered in and we are we meet this man named Jeffrey Portway. He's a 47-year-old man and he is very obese. Now I'm overweight. I'm technically, technically legally, medically, I'm obese. But he's one of those guys that when you when they have the mugshot, you like the mugshot for the, you know, so the cops, if they ever catch him again, they go, aha, this is what that guy looks like. His head is his head is like bigger than the picture. Like his cheeks go out to the side of the photo. I'll put a photo in the show notes. Now, Jason, this is very uncharacteristic of you. You never make fun of people's physical appearances. I did say that once a school shooter looked like the Mucinex germ come to life. I did say that. But you're like, Jason, man, you're really like going to the paint on this dude. Like, that's weird. You normally don't comment on people's looks. Well, let's get let's get to know Jeffrey a little bit more, because maybe maybe you're right. So Jeffrey Portway, (laughs) Jeffrey Portway, the man who's bigger than the police mugshot, he's in prison and he's actually trying to get out right now because he's afraid of catching covid. 
And that would suck. I remember in the early days of the pandemic, I was thinking, like, your brain's running through all these simulations. Could you imagine being stuck in a prison when this disease is floating around? No one knew anything about it. No one knew how you got it. It was awful. Well, he's stuck in prison, and he does have these risk factors, right? Being a man is a risk factor. Being obese is a risk factor. Being bigger than a camera can take your picture is definitely a risk factor. I'm pretty sure Fauci's mentioned that specifically once or twice. So... And so I'm, you know, obviously I'm careful about it because I do have my comorbidities as well. And so this guy, he's stuck in prison. So he's afraid of getting COVID in prison. So he actually is asking the judge to let him out. And this is something that happens. It's called compassionate release. And (laughs) one might have been record turnaround time. I'm sure that this guy walked into the, they probably actually were still doing everything video conferencing at this point. The judge, (laughs) the judge, I'm sure just opened his file glanced down at it, closed it, and said, no, I don't care how fat you are. I don't care how deadly COVID is. There's no way we're letting you out. I find this story so interesting. It's fairly short. But the fact that this guy thought for one second that his fear of COVID would allow him to walk the streets again, this is is what he's in prison for. In Worcester, Massachusetts, in 2012, Jeffrey is sitting at home and the, the cops kick in his door and they tackle him. I don't know if they tackled him. I hope they did. Even if he surrendered, I hope they kicked him in the ribs a couple times. Because what they found in his house was a basement. <laughs> He's not a basement. I don't want the cops kicking in my ribs. Hold on. In his basement was a series of locked doors. So there's a bunch of locked doors leading to this hidden room. And inside... This hidden room they found. Actually, I'm saying a hidden room. That's that is that is the truth. I'm leaving out three other adjectives that the news article described. I would be a great defense lawyer. I'm saying it's a hidden room. It was described in the newspaper article and in police documents as a soundproofed dungeon. And in this soundproof dungeon was. I'll tell you this right now. He was not able to carry out any of his plans, as far as we know. But in the soundproof dungeon was a chair, a television. You're like, that's just his gaming room. And he wants to be able to play Halo super loud. A chair, a television, castration tools. I paused there. <laughs> I paused there for all of my listeners. You're like, nope, not this again. <laughs> I, I'm giving you enough time now to shut off the podcast. Castration tools and a child sized homemade coffin. He did not do anything to any kid. I will let you guys know that now. Everything else we're going to talk about (laughs) will be brief. This will be over in about 45 seconds. He went by the online alias Fat Long Pig. And Long Pig is a cannibal term. Long Pig means human. When you have to describe yourself, you use the word fat and pig at the same time. I'm allowed to say your face won't fit in a photo. He would talk online about wanting to kidnap children and eat them. And he had all of these plans to do it. And he was talking to all these other sickos that wanted to eat kids. See, this shocks me. Like, I get that people do this. But the fact that there's, like, the fact that there's thriving online communities. Like, I would, oh, if someone goes, how many people out there do you think want to eat kids? And I'm like, well, excluding witches from Hansel and Gretel and excluding, like, Albert Fish, the occasional serial killer. At any given time, I don't know, maybe worldwide, like... I, I can't say worldwide. I'd say in America, at any given time, there's probably five to ten people who want to eat kids. But apparently, apparently that's really lowballing it because they have these internet communities. They 
caught him with all sorts of horrible graphic images, a whole collection of them, and most alarming, photos of children who are still alive, their names, and these were like photos he took, apparently. These were photos of kids he knew in the area, and he would talk to people online about eating those kids. So I actually have a really good idea. We, we should just pump COVID into this dude's cell. And you know what's shocking, too? So he didn't really commit any crimes against kids. He had all these graphic images, horrible, horrible graphic images. I don't even want to describe them. And all of this planning and preparation, he only got 27 years. I'm not a big thing about convicting people for thought crime. That's not a, that's not a thought crime, though. I mean, there's one person, one thing for someone to go, oh, I really hate the government. I want to blow it up and start reading books about that. I don't think that should be a, an arrestable offense. But they started building coffins for world leaders, like, at that point. And if he happened to live in Washington, D.C., if there was a basement in the Capitol building that he had built, like, at a certain point, it stops becoming, like, a thought crime, and it starts to become a real crime. Plus, he had all the horrible images. Those are real crime. Only 27 years. So that means... If you're born today, when you're 27 years old, this guy will be out. I'm sure there's a better way to tell time. I'm sure there's a better... They're like, hey, when's lunch? And I go, well, if you were born today, you'd be 10 hours old by the time lunch is ready. But yeah, that doesn't seem like a lot at all. You have these other people that are getting these huge, like, for, like, dealing drugs, right? For, like, dealing weed and stuff like that. And then this sicko who had a child-sized coffin and castration tools. And this is one of the things I'm going to say. I got all the links to the show notes, like the articles. Don't just trust my, just trust me that, uh, just trust me why I'm leaving stuff out. Because even, like, the mainstream article I was looking at, ugh. They went into some dark details about it. Um, so, boo you. I think that's the worst you get from me, Jeffrey. And I think we should just pump straight up COVID into his cell. That's gross. Put him in a child-sized coffin. Okay, so Creole... Co- <laughs> now that we've become blood-soaked vigilantes, Creole Cosmopolitan, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are leaving behind this prison in Virginia. We're headed all the way out to Fleming County, Kentucky. This story was sent to me by Bigfoot expert Bennett. He's actually a longtime supporter of the show, a longtime listener of the show. And a long time ago, he took it upon himself to send me a listing of every... Actually, no, 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 I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. But Bennett, you do get credit for this story. He'll be like, what are you talking about? He already shut it off after I mentioned castration tools. He's like, nope. There's this town of Muse Mills, and that's in Fleming County, Kentucky. We're specifically in Muse Mills. This was a long time ago. We're back in the year 1894. So put on your old-timey clothes. Walk with me through the town of Muse Mills. Back in 1894, there was a local doctor named Dr. Dyer. And he, well, (laughs) let's put doctor in air quotes, because he was what we called a root and herb doctor. I don't know if he actually had a doctorate in anything, but he definitely, like, people would come to him and be like, oh, I have the gout. And he's like, chew this herb. And someone else is like, uh, I have a stomach, I have a stomach ache. I visited you last week. You gave me a bunch of roots. He's like, oh, I have the perfect cure for you. More roots. Arr. He was one of those guys, right? Now we call him homeopathic. But back then, Dr. C.H. Dyer was his name. He's pretty well known in town. He was a root and herb doctor. He's passing all that stuff out. But eventually, like all men do, he dies, right? 
he was trying to eat as many roots as he could before he died. He's like, maybe one of these will make me immortal. He choked to death on herbs. He dies, and they bury him, as is the custom, since pretty much the beginning of time. A couple weeks go by. People would hear dogs off in the distance running around town. They're like, what is it? Now, back in 1894, dogs showing up in your town, that was a bad thing, right? <laughs> a pack of wild dogs could really destroy the local economy. It could probably just destroy the locals. But these dogs, this pack of wild dogs wasn't running into town. It was running into the graveyard and kept trying to dig up Dr. Dyer's body. Get out of here. Shoo, shoo. Go away, dogs. Go find some other city to ruin. Dogs would run off. But then they'd come back. And they'd be digging out his grave and they'd be howling. And they'd get out of here, get out of here. Chasing him away with a broom. <laughs> Actually, probably chasing him away with a shotgun full of buckshot. But anyways, these dogs keep running away. This happens over and over and over again. Now, townspeople are starting to get curious. Why are they so attracted to the grave of Dr. Dyer? So there's not much to do in 1894, right? So they're going to have a good old body exhuming party. So they dig the body up, they exhume the body, and when they open the coffin up, they are expecting to see the body of Dr. Dyer. Instead, they are greeted with the body, the corpse, of a 200-pound dead hog in his coffin. Now they're like, wait a second, is he underneath the hog? Dr. Dyer is not in the coffin. He didn't shrink down. He didn't crawl out, presumably, because there's been no zombie attacks. All they know is that when they dug up the body of Dr. Dyer, in its place was a 200-pound dead hog. Now, this was reported in a newspaper. But to be fair, this also is a, new, <laughs> this is a newspaper from 1894. And, and new, older newspapers did have a habit of making stuff up. Like, stuff out of whole cloth. Stories about giants. Stories about, stories about corpses turning into pigs. But what's interesting about this is... The friends and the townspeople came to the conclusion that Dr. Dyer was not a good person in life. Sure, he was pretty good doling out the roots and the herbs, but he just, morally, he could have been better. What their hypothesis is, is that when he died, God turned him into what his soul actually was reflective of. God turned him into a big, stinky, bloated pig. And I, I find this very fascinating. Of course, it is most likely not true. An urban legend. Or, actually, I, let me back up. It, the event itself could have happened. They, someone could have stolen his body and put a pig in there for some reason. Uh, it's possible that the event never happened, that he faked his death. There's all sorts of stuff. But the people in town didn't think of any of that stuff. They came to the conclusion that he was a pig in life, and God turned him to a pig in death. And I read that and I go, well, there's a lot of people who could probably be turned into disgusting creatures after they died. And man, everyone stumbles, right? Everyone stumbles and slips and sins in different ways. But then there are certain people, Jeff Portway, who are just overly disgusting and really shouldn't be part of the human race. And you think, well, and I read the story and I go, well, I mean, there's a lot of people you could probably turn into pigs after they died because there's a lot of people who are morally disgusting. And then I thought... What if this is true? Let's put our conspiracy caps on here for a second, because what we have here is we had a man who was buried and turned into a pig. And, and Owen oh, Bennett's been sending me stories about pig people from every state in the United States. That's how I came across this one. Imagine 
if the only reason we found out about this, right, was because the guy was buried and then the dogs were trying to dig the body up. If the dogs weren't trying to dig the body up, let's say the body was buried deeper, the body was buried in a place not around roving packs of wild animals, it, they never would have known there was a pig in there. What? How many bodies get exhumed annually in the United States? I'm not going to finish this podcast until you send me the answer. I'm just going to be completely silent. How many people are exhumed in the United States at any given time? I, I doubt it's a lot. So maybe, <laughs> conspiracy cap fully on, what if if you did a mass updigging of all the people this is this is this is our homework project what if you found out that one to two percent of all bodies in coffins were pigs you're like jason please don't please don't take muscle relaxers please don't take muscle relaxers before you record a podcast again dude i'm sorry that your back hurts but that might be the dumbest I'm saying, like, what if the sample group was this dude? And you'd you would go, oh no, it's probably just it's probably just this guy who was gross enough to become a pig. But what if we did start digging up graves? We could start with graves of gross people, right? We could go find people who actually did horrible things. We wouldn't be digging up like people's grandmas and stuff. We're like, it's for science. They're like crying, no, grandma, no. We go and we find people who are really disgusting people and dig them up. Maybe go to like a prison, a prison graveyard and just start digging up all the bodies. And then we have a bunch of zombie prisoners running around. Oh, no, the prophecy came true. No, imagine you went to a prison graveyard and you dug up 100 bodies and two of them were pigs. This is an interesting thing for a skeptic, right? Because a skeptic would go, well, I don't know, maybe people just buried pigs there too. But what if you kept digging up bodies all over the United States and you found out that 1% to 2% of all the corpses in the United States were pigs? Like, what would that do to society? Would people start acting better? Or would, would people stop eating pigs? Would people stop eating pork? Because you want to know. What if a guy almost dies and he turns into a pig? And then he comes out of his coma. He's like, oh no. And then he runs and he's like having a bunch of pig babies and stuff like that. Who knows? The story is most likely fake. The story is most likely completely made up. I'd be shocked if Dr. Dyer even existed. But there's a chance that it did happen. And it's a chance that someone stole his body for medical purposes. Back in 1894, there were body robbers. And they threw a pig in there. And then they almost got found out. But it's also it's also possible that because he was such a horrible person in life, God turned his body into a pig. And um, <laughs> again, Jason, quit saying that. That's the most insane thing you've ever said. So, anyways, I would be. I I think we should start a GoFundMe. <laughs> we should start a GoFundMe. Exhume America's corpses. Some of them may be pigs. And it would prove religion overnight, right? Maybe that's the big conspiracy. Maybe that's why they want to stop. If this GoFundMe does not raise $10,000, the powers that be are trying to silence us. And I don't want you guys to donate to it. Don't waste your money on it. Get some other people to waste their money on it. Creole Cosmopolitan, let's leave behind this freshly exhumed graveyard. We are headed all the way out to Louisiana. <laughs> How would you like to be featured on an episode of Dead Rabbit Radio? Here's how. All you need to do is record yourself chanting Earth first, Earth first, and send it to me at deadrabbitradio.com. We're doing a remix of the Dead Rabbit Radio classic episode, Earth First, and I want all of the voices of the fluffle to be a part of it. 
So please record yourself chanting Earth first and email it to deadrabbitradio.com. The deadline is February 14th, 2022. In your email, tell me that I have the permission to use your voice. And together we will rise up and fight the Martian menace. Earth first! We're in Louisiana, and there's this little gas station on the side of the road. And we're just kind of sitting there eating some whatchamacallit. And I found this story online, and it opened up a weird, really weird can of worms. It was originally posted by this guy called Gormless Schnitzel. So thanks for posting this. And Gormless is telling us about his uncle. And his uncle has schizophrenia. And it sucks. You know, it's one of those things like he has it and then the rest of the family has to navigate this pathway and you're just constantly worried. And, you know, sometimes they're not taking their medication and things get worse. And then they take their medication and they feel better. So they stop taking their medication. It's this whole really brutal struggle when you're dealing with a mental illness that strong. So Gormless's uncle, we're going to call Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe deals with schizophrenia. He knows he has schizophrenia, but one day he's sitting there and he tells a little Gormy, have I ever told you my uh, schizophrenia origin story? Have I ever told you how I got schizophrenia? And the nephew, the nephew's like, what? I didn't know that this, the, I thought it was just something that you had. Isn't schizophrenia something you're born with that develops over time? Oh, no, no, youngin. That's what they want you to think. But really, my schizophrenia I remember I caught it on a warm summer day and the nephew's like, wait, what are you talking about? Are you actually doing a flashback right now? Uncle Joe, before he was Uncle Joe, he was just Joe. And he was hitchhiking through Louisiana. This is what he did for fun. This was back in like the 70s, the 80s, when you could stick your thumb out and not worry about getting picked up by a serial killer. And he would hitchhike through whole states, right? He's not even from Louisiana. He's just making his way around the East Coast and the South and all this stuff. And he's walking down the street, he's getting ready to hitchhike, but he sees a gas station off in the distance, and he goes, oh, maybe I'll get a couple snacks as I go on my journey, hopping into strangers' cars. So he walks in, and he goes in the gas station to get a drink, and as he's walking in, there's a man outside, and he stops Joe. And Joe gets a sense that this guy seems a little shady. Like, is he a drug dealer? Is he just some bum? I don't know, but Joe gets a weird feeling from this guy. And Joe goes, I'm looking at this man, and he he literally, when I say he's shady, that's almost literally because he was had this dark hue to him. It just seemed like he was half shadow. Something wasn't right about this person. The sun is out, it's bright, but this guy is enveloped in shadows, and he looks to Joe, and he hands Joe this really old, weird-looking coin. And he puts it in Joe's hands and he says, quote, As long as you hold on to this coin, good luck will always be yours. But if you lose it or throw it away, terrible things will happen to you and your life will fall apart. <laughs> Joe has just been handed this coin that may be a blessing, may be a curse, or both. Joe doesn't really think much of it. He goes, thanks. And he said he walked into the gas station, he bought a soda. And a dollar scratch-off ticket. That's weird. He actually won $250 on this lotto ticket that he just bought. He totally freaks out. In a good way and in a bad way. He is a very religious dude. He's a very devout, born-again Christian. So when he think, when he's looking at this coin and he realizes what just happened, he thinks that the devil 
is who stopped him outside of the gas station. So he runs out of the gas station and the man is gone. He's not looking wherever there's shadows. He's gone because he wanted to give the coin back to this man. He didn't want this power because this has to be demonic. Looking at this coin and it's, it looks ancient. It doesn't look right. So his rationale after using this coin and winning this $250 lottery ticket and being warned, if you lose it or throw it away, terrible things will happen. He takes that coin and he throws it into a swamp, which was right next to the gas station because we're in Louisiana. And the coin sinks into the murky water below and he hitchhikes his way back home and tries to put the encounter behind him. But that was the day his schizophrenia began. Super interesting story, and it's bizarre on so many levels, and we're not even done yet. This this is not this is this story is not alone. It's an interesting story on so many levels. On one, schizophrenia, you may have events that spark it. I know sometimes like uh, marijuana, if you are if you're predisposed to schizophrenia, I, I'm I'm sure the science is mixed on this, but I've seen this in quite a few articles. If if you're predisposed to schizophrenia, uh, smoking weed can actually trigger it. So you can have that instant thing. Um, I, and I don't know about schizophrenia all over. I assumed that it was a slow buildup. Like you have it and then you start to have symptoms maybe in your early 20s or early 30s. But I don't think the doctor can be like February 2nd. That was the day you got schizophrenia. Like if you had come in a couple days earlier, we might have been able to, uh, you know, get you treated. But I think it's an ongoing thing. I don't think it's the same. Th- I mean, I don't know actually if you could specify a day. But to, to, but Gormless puts in their post. They said he's schizophrenic. <laughs> schizophrenic. We know he's schizophrenic. He's been diagnosed as schizophrenic. So did this event even happen? Did any of this happen? Is he making it completely up? Or was it kind of true? Someone gave him a quarter and he walked in and maybe won $250 on a lottery ticket that day and he backtracked and kind of remembered the story wrong through a schizophrenia filter? Is that possible? Or in the world of the paranormal, right? In the world of the paranormal, we talk about this. Was this a trigger? Now, it seems very insensitive to say that, right? I know schizophrenia is a disease, and I'm not trying to say that anyone who has schizophrenia is cursed by an evil hobo wizard from a gas station. But it's interesting. In in his mind, that's what happened. In his mind, that was the day he became schizophrenic. He was totally normal until he threw that coin into the swamp. And if that story was in and of itself presented to me, I would still find it completely fascinating the way the human brain works. Still would have covered it on Dead Rabbit Radio. But as I was looking through the replies to this post, Uncle Joe's not alone. There were so many examples of this I could only pick out, I hate to say the best ones, because this is about human suffering, but... You had other people. This one guy says, hey, my cousin, my cousin has schizophrenia. And before he really started exhibiting symptoms, but again, because you have that long buildup, you may not know it. He was super into demons. He was super into black magic. He was really about exploring this world. Now, a lot of us, right, we're paranormal researchers. We do we do discuss demonology and we do explore that stuff. But then there are people who they're like, get out of the way, ghosts. Get out of the way, UFOs. I just want the demons because I want to have their power. They're basically the demonic power versus the us being curious, trying to figure out how all this stuff works. And that was this dude's cousin. He was into demons and black magic. 
And there was a graveyard next to this guy's house. And one day he's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to lay on the grave, a freshly dug grave. There's a pig. There's a pig in there. <laughs> I'm going to go lay on a freshly dug grave. I'm going to sleep on that grave overnight. And I'm going to get the souls and get the knowledge and the demonic power. I'm probably just a pervert want to lay naked in the graveyard. Anyways, the next morning he woke up and, and that is his schizophrenia origin story. He told his cousin, yeah, I did that. I laid naked on the grave, and that's how I got schizophrenia. <laughs> the cousin's like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Here's this other story about a young woman who her best friend was a witch, a witch in high school. And the witch cut this young woman's hair and dyed it. And they hung out, but after a year, the witch stopped hanging out with this young woman. But the young woman over time began to hear the witch's voice in her head. And that's how she got schizophrenia. She believes by being in such close contact with this magic user, gave her schizophrenia. That's what gave her schizophrenia. And the voices in her head are of this witch. Again, that's an interesting... Is that story real? Like, did she actually go over to this girl's house every day for a year after school and she got her hair cut and her hair dyed and... Like what part that to me that to me sounds even more fake because who, who wants to go hang out with the witch every single day? And the fact that the witch's voice was the voice in her head, I find so weird. But to her, that's when it started. She was completely normal, had a perfectly normal life until she visited that person. You had one where a guy just ate some bubblegum that was offered to him. It wasn't just it wasn't just his friend at work. This was like in a really rural area. They said, yeah, there was this witch doctor farmer. They were a witch doctor and a farmer. And one day they offered this guy some gum. Hey, you want some gum? Yeah, sure. Nom, 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 nom. Gave him schizophrenia. And again, this was like maybe two days of posts. If, if you could get whenever you look at something that has this many diverse responses in such a short amount of time, it really makes you think this must be so common. I'm wondering if this is the norm. I'm wondering if most people who have schizophrenia, if you sat down and asked them, how did you get it? I mean, <laughs> that might be super insensitive, but I bet you they do have origin stories. And it's weird because the mind is going haywire. And the mind has to figure out why why is the brain working like this all of a sudden. So you have to think, is the store are these stories completely made up? Did this person never walk into this gas station, never given a coin? And none of it happened. Or is it taking elements of something that really happened on a monumental day for his mental health, but it wasn't magic based? And then you have to look at the paranormal answer that maybe it was magic based. And then you look at the answer that this might have been the first one that it was all made up in the first place, that this never happened at all. Fascinating story. And it's creepy because all of these scenarios we could find ourselves in. Okay, maybe not sleeping naked in the graveyard, but being into uh, paranormal stuff, being into demonology and things like that. You know, my dad used to be a Southern Baptist minister and he would tell us, you know, because you had to study demonology, you had to study all this stuff to be a minister, to be ordained a Southern Baptist minister. That's actually not true. You can be ordained as a Southern Baptist minister by your local church, but he was going for like his master's or his doctorate or something like that. So he was going to seminary and all this stuff. And they did study demonology at the seminary. And he said, maybe once, twice a year, you'd have this young minister get too into the demonology. That saying 
beware how long you stare into the abyss because eventually the abyss stares back or beware those who hunt monsters do not become monsters themselves. That's that's basically the the college's motto. Like that was a thing that they would have to look out for. Every year you'd get one or two of these young men who got a little too into the demonology part of the religious thing. I mean, it is it is more exciting than reading the book of Job for the 15th time, but yeah. And they had a system set up for that. Like you would have to be like, okay, you know, Johnny's been reading those demonology books a little too much. Let's have a counseling session for him. Fascinating. So you do have you do have to wonder, like people who do get too far into the demonology stuff, can it trigger a mental illness, pre-existing conditions coming forward because you're basically on the on the verge of breaking your brain with all of this infernal knowledge. But I mean, really, this stuff could happen to any of us. As someone offering you a, I would totally take a coin. If someone started holding a coin out to me before they even talked about blessings and curses, I'm like, cool, a coin? Like, all of this stuff. Letting some chick cut my hair and dye it? Yeah, totally, dude. Again, I wouldn't sleep naked on a graveyard, but I do spend a lot of my time researching very, very dark topics, and I've spent a countless hours uh, investigating demonology. So, yeah, it's spooky. This is the type of stuff that can happen to any of us. Now, do I honestly think that schizophrenia can... Well, let me back up here. I mean, I, schizophrenia is a real disease, and I think that people who suffer from it need to be treated. I'm not trying to make light of it or just go to your health counselor or stuff like that or just burn some sage, eat some roots and herbs, and it'll go away. I definitely think it's something that can be taken care of. But from a paranormal angle, it would be very, very, very disturbing to think that at any point you could be cursed with schizophrenia. You could be walking down the street and you see a coin on the ground and it, you like picking coins up off the ground and you bend over and you pick it up. You didn't know that was a cursed coin. You didn't know that the previous person just threw that out of their car. Now you have this coin, you know none of the powers of it, but you notice you have a luckier day than normal. But you don't connect it to the coin and then eventually the coin's just floating around in your pocket and it's floating around the orbs and you're all around it, but you can't see it. It's in your pocket. It's like shooting out electrical beams and you th end up throwing that coin into a vending machine to buy yourself a soda. What a great way to end the day. You had a very, very lucky day and now you get your favorite soda. It was actually just the right temperature. But later that night, you have a hard time falling asleep. You start to see flashes behind closed eyelids. Memories resurfacing that... You, you you don't remember this stuff, but they're memories. They're tucked in away with all of your other precious moments in your life. You're reminiscing about these dark moments that you, what I don't. This didn't happen. You finally fall asleep after a few hours of rolling around in bed, as your brain is being rewired, chemicals becoming imbalanced, synapses ceasing to fire the way they were designed to. When you wake up, you wake up with a different world view. You wake up in a different world. You can't put your finger on it, but something's not right. And you start that long and arduous journey navigating through your own reality while your friends and your family sit on the sidelines wondering what is going on with you. Until finally it culminates with you having to get a medical diagnosis you have a very, very serious mental disease. As the years wind by and you struggle with this, you'll always wonder, you will always wonder, was this something that was medically present in me this entire time? A ticking bomb waiting to go off, and it eventually did? 
Or did this happen because you picked up that coin on the street? Your life was going great until the luckiest day of your life. And then everything that was normal disappeared. Was it because of an underlying medical illness? Or was it because of a cursed coin? When you deal with the world of the paranormal, you have to understand. Reality is malleable. Nothing is set in stone. You take a risk every time you step out your front door. You take a risk every time you wake up in the morning. The world of the paranormal is chaos unfolding every single second. It is a world of UFOs and galactic civilizations. It is a world of demonic empires and haunting spirits. But it is also the world where the smallest item can carry a curse. A curse that can destroy your mind. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>